turn with me, if you would, <coughs> this morning as the Lord will enable us to the first portion of Scripture that we read together in the book of Psalms, Psalm 100. Psalm 100, <coughs> and taking as our text this morning, verse 5. Psalm 100 and verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. The Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. <clears throat> this is one of the psalms I'm sure that you will all be very well acquainted with. It's a psalm that from your early stage you learn this psalm along with Psalm 23 and some of the other favourite psalms, Psalm 121. Psalm 100 is one of those favourite psalms. Now, when you come to a psalm like this, it's a psalm uh, of David, a psalm of praise. And when you come to, to look intimately at a portion of scripture like this, you have to ask yourself, what is the psalmist really saying? What is he bringing out? And the Hebrew language, like uh, many languages, uh, you can actually divide the psalm up and the, what the psalmist is saying up into maybe two or three different parts. In this instance, you can divide it into two. And when you divide it up into two in the Hebrew, you don't divide it up into, here's a verse of 20 words, and the division is, you know, 10 this side, 10 that side. Hebrew doesn't work like that. If you come to any portion of Scripture, any verse of Scripture, the, the, the vast majority of Scripture in the Hebrew has what you call an athnach in the middle of it. When you, you get the students and you say to the students, if you're going to look at a verse, find the athnach. That is the mark uh, in the verse that tells you the halfway mark. And it's not always, as I say, uh, 15 words this, uh, 10 words this side and 10 <coughs> words that side. Take, for example, Genesis. You go to Genesis 1 and say uh, verse 7, where it speaks about God creating the heavens and, and the firmament, dividing the firmament. And there's all this about dividing the firmament. And the athnach comes in right at the very end. Uh, one word, really. Well, it's two words, but they're joined together. Well, again, joined together. Really one word. And it was so. One word in the Hebrew. Now, the athnach comes just before that. And before that, you've got how God created all the firmament and everything. He divided the firmament above, the firmament beneath. Then there's the athnach, and then there's this, why he came in the Hebrew. Why he came, and it was so. Now, that one word, why he came has as much significance as everything that's gone before it. In other words, the very fact that and it was so carries with it everything as much significance as the fact that God simply called the firmament and divided the firmament. In other words, and it was so means that it happened immediately. You don't wait for uh, a million years for it to take to take event the very fact of this why he case two words joined into one tells you and it has as much significance as everything that's gone before in other words God simply says the word and it was so happened so here in the 
the Hebrew, you can divide even verses up into thoughts, into different things. And this psalm is divided up into two. And I believe it's, uh, uh, it's divided up into two from the point of view that the first four verses are telling us what we must do. What we are expected to do. What we are commanded to do. That is to make a joyful noise, to serve the Lord, to know that the Lord is God, to enter into his gates. And then you've got the word gar for. Here is the reason why. Here is the reason why we have such joy, such gladness. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Three things. Three things that the psalmist says are reason for us to do what he's already said in these first four verses. Now, when we come to, to this, we, we see that division then. But the first four verses themselves are bringing out three things, really, that it becomes us today to consider. There are three things that are set before us. We are to make a joyful, we are to be joyful. These three things in verse 5 make us joyful. We are to be make a joyful noise because the Lord is good. We are to make a no joyful noise because his mercy is everlasting. <coughs> we are to be joyful because his truth endureth forever. That's the first thing. Who God is and what God does ought to rejoice us, make us joyful, make a joyful noise. Secondly, serve the Lord with gladness. We are to serve the Lord with gladness. Why? Because the Lord is good. <coughs> because the Lord, his mercy, his mercy is, is everlasting. We are to serve him with gladness because his truth endureth to all generations. That's the second thing. So we are to joy. We are to serve him with gladness. And then uh, we note verse 3, you go to verse 4, you enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Why today are we to have thankfulness to the Lord? Because the Lord is good. For the Lord, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures to all generations. <coughs> so you have these three things to be joyful. We are to be joyful. We are to serve him with gladness. And we are to come into his presence with thankfulness because of what we are told in verse 5. Now who is it that is to make this? Who is it that is to be joyful? Who is it that has particular reason to be joyful, to be glad and to be thankful? Well, the children of Israel in the Old Testament. God's people in the Old Testament had particular reason to be joyful because they above all nations in the world knew that God was good. All men see the goodness of God. They benefit from the goodness of God. But God's people were to particularly rejoice because they particularly know that, that God is good, that his mercy is everlasting, that his truth endureth to all generations. God's people in the Old Testament. But you know how wonderful the psalmist is here and how wonderful the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> because the psalmist here is not just speaking about God's people in the Old Testament. How wonderful the psalmist is because he's speaking about the gospel going out to the ends of the earth. He says at the beginning, make a joyful sound unto the Lord. All ye lands, all ye lands, serve the Lord with 
with, with, with uh, gladness. See, the psalmist is looking forward. It's a, a psalm that speaks of the gospel days. Not just the children of Israel, but all ye lands. All the lands of the earth. He's looking forward to the day when Christ would... See, all the psalms are all about Christ, aren't they? <laughs> the psalms are all about the gospel. People tell you, you know, you need the hymns or whatever. The psalms are full of Christ. They're full of the gospel. Even Psalm 100 is speaking about how the day would come where all ye lands come and make a joyful sound. All ye lands serve him gladly. All ye lands come and come into his presence with thankfulness. Why? Because the Lord is good. He's not only good to Israel, but he will be good even to all the lands. Even the heathen lands will come and know the goodness of the Lord. They will know the mercy of the Lord and they will know that his truth endureth to all generations. Let's then look at these three things as the Lord will enable us today. The three points that we have in verse 5. The Lord is good. Secondly, his mercy is everlasting. And third, his truth endureth to all generations. Remembering that in the first four verses we have before us uh, these things. Now, who is it that that uh, that that we are to, 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 to know these things? In verse 3, he tells us, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us, and not we ourselves. That's all the nation. Everybody sees God's creation. But there are those, and not... But, and we are his people and the sheep of his pastor, or of his pasture. You see, it's not just the world out there. It's not the world out there knows and sees in creation that God is good. It's manifest to them every day. Is it not every day? Do we not see that that, that God is is good? He causes the sun to rise upon the evil and the good. He causes the rain to come upon the just and upon the unjust. God is good. My friend, do you not rejoice today that this world is upheld by a God that is good? A good God. People today, they're fearful, aren't they? They're frightened. The world's going to come to an end. It's going to burn up. and we're all, the, the world is going to come to an end. Green issues are, have become so important. It becomes their God. My friend, if green issues are your God, then no wonder you fear. No wonder you're afraid. But my friend, this world is not in the hands of some green God. It's not in the hands of man. This world is in the hands of God. And every single day you rise, every single day that passes, God brings that sun up in the, on the sky, brings it down in there. Who is it that's doing that? Who is it that's keeping the heavens and the earth? Are we not able to say today how God, how good God is? My friend, we know better today than our forefathers our forefathers used to depend when they'd get up and they get their food. They depended on that food because they could see the, the fields producing their food every day. They, would, they, were, they were aware of the fish that come out of the sea. Today, people go to the shops. They, it doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from... It comes from Tesco. It comes from Sainsbury. It comes from somewhere like that. And my friend, how foolish man is to think that it's... There's some green God that's going to keep this world. Are you not rejoicing? Is it not a cause of joy? Is it not a cause of joy 
that this world is upheld by God. Know ye, he says in verse 3, that the Lord, he is God. My friend, what a wonderful sign we have of his faithfulness. The rainbow, the sign of the rainbow. That the devil and those have taken and made it to be a sign of godlessness, of immorality, is a sign that God is faithful. We are reminded every time we see that in the sky, that never again would he bring a flood such to destroy man off the face of the earth. Do you not, does that not rejoice your heart today that this world, this universe, that, 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 is, that it is kept by the power of Almighty God? How that ought to rejoice and to joy the heart because God is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. He causes the sun to rise upon the evil and the good. Think of the catechism. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That embraces how God is good even today. But it ought to bring us, then, if, it's to, if it ought to rejoice and bring joy to us, we ought to then serve him with gladness. How we ought to serve him when we come into his presence with gladness. My friend, think of the Philippian jailer preached before on the Philippian jailer. And the Philippian jailer saw things in the apostle uh, and Silas. And he knew that he had something, that they had something that he didn't have. He thought he was free, but they were really the ones who were free. They were free. They could sing in prison. They were free. They were the ones that were rich when he discovered he's poor. But one of the things he, he realizes, surely, and not only that, that, but they deal with him the way he doesn't deal with them. You know, they come out, stop, don't do yourself no harm. What a difference that is to his own attitude when he casts them into the prison. But there's one thing as well that he must realize, and that is that they have a master that is good. He has Caesar to whom he is accountable. And if these prisoners are let go without his under his watch, he would be better killing himself. Commit suicide. Because his master is Caesar. And he's in bondage. But these men down in this prison, they sing praises to this Jesus Christ. They serve him with gladness in the midst of a prison. They have a better master than you could ever imagine. My friends, it's not wonderful. It's not not a cause that the Lord is good, that Jesus Christ is good. Remember the rich man that comes to Jesus. Good master, good master. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, why callest thou me good? There's only one good, and that is God. And if you believe what you are saying, then you had better listen <coughs> to everything that I tell you. Because there is there a testimony from this young man that he realizes that Jesus is good. And Jesus challenges him. If you really believe that, there is only one that is good. And if you really believe that, then you had better listen to what I have to say. Because I, as we read in John's Gospel, I am the good shepherd. God manifest in the flesh. There is only one good. 
Go and sell all that thou hast and come and follow me. He turns away in tears. He's acknowledged that Jesus is good. My friend, do you not come into God's house today with gladness? Because you serve a master that is good. I, he says, am the good shepherd. The devil is the bad shepherd. The devil is the shepherd that kills his sheep, that destroys them. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. For the Lord is good. Therefore, come with joy. Come into his presence with gladness. And come in, enter into his gates with thankfulness. My friend, how many people today receive of the goodness of God and they don't even, they are unthankful. They are unthankful. They receive the goodness of God and they have demonstrated before their eyes God himself. Not that there is a God, but God himself. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness of man. It's not the, the wrath of a God, it is the wrath of the true God. And knowing God, not knowing that there is a God, but knowing and having revealed to them every single day the goodness of God, they worship him not as God. They don't worship him as God. Neither are they thankful. My friend, what a terrible thing it is. From morning to night, from the time you rise to the time you go to bed, every language under the sun, Sam that speaks of that going, his, his truth goes to the ends of the earth. Every language, no language is exempted from it. Imagine every single day in life having God's goodness manifested before your eyes and you're not even thankful. You don't even give any thanks. My friend, do we come into God's house today? Do we enter into his gates with thankfulness, into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name? Are you thankful? Are you thankful that Jesus Christ came into this world and has provided that gospel, that good news of salvation? Are you thankful? Are you thankful for every blessing that you have received from his hands? I was saying to the young people in my own congregation on Thursday evening, what a wonderful blessing it is for young people, even young people in here today, to be under the sound of the gospel. To be born up, not to be born into a family of, of Roman, Roman Catholicism or Islam or to be born as Muslim or something, knowing not God, but to be born and brought up under the sound of the gospel within God's house. How we ought to be thankful for the many blessings that God has bestowed upon us. Not least, how good he is to his people. The Lord is good. Come with joy. Serve him with gladness and come into his gates with thankfulness. Do we today come into God's house knowing that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd? I, he says, am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. How better good can you ever have than him who is the son of God to come into this world 
to be the Son of Man and to suffer and die in the room instead of sinners. The Lord is good. But second, his mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. My friend, isn't that wonderful, isn't it? What joy and what gladness and what thankfulness that ought to engender in the souls of poor sinners. His mercy. You think of the woman caught in adultery. And all these men there watching what would Jesus do. They're judging her. She's a gross sinner caught in adultery. Jesus begins to write. I don't know what he writes. But whatever he writes speaks to the first of them. And off he walks. Jesus continues to write. doesn't speak to them. Let, just let him who is without sin cast the first stone. He begins to write. Whatever he's writing is coming home to one by one. And then he turns and he says, where are your accusers now? And he told, tells her, I don't count. I'll not condemn you. Go and sin no more. What mercy that woman received. What mercy. Mercy that she couldn't get from the priests. Mercy she couldn't get from all those who were her accusers. But mercy she found at the hands of Jesus Christ. What wonderful mercy. <coughs> Think of the woman coming in <coughs> And had that issue of blood all these years, spent all her money looking to see if she could buy some cure. And all she does is come in and touch the hem of his garment. And he's cured. She's cured. She finds mercy. My friend, isn't it wonderful? The day the sinner finds that God's mercy is everlasting. Never, it never fails. God's mercy. Our works always fail. Our righteousness has always come short. But his mercy is never ending. His mercy is to be found with him. And what joy that must that what joy that brings to the repentant sinner. I've said it before. Uh, a man in Glasgow, teenager, went to, to a service in a Friday evening and he listened to the preachings it was evangelistic services he went there and he listened to the preacher he was only 16 or 17 years of age and he says during the service the Lord blessed his word to me in a way he says that I had never heard it before and such was it that I he says left that place and I walked down Great Western Road, and even the trees were singing to the praises of God. What joy it brought to my heart to discover that Jesus Christ was the Saviour of sinners, and it was all of his mercy. God is mercifully discovered. And he died three or four years ago in his 80s. Walking with the Lord all these years. Walking with the Lord. He discovered. I had an, an elder, and some of you may have heard that. What a change 
and, and it, it, made, it makes when, when a sinner is brought to realize that God's mercy is everlasting, that he's a merciful God. My elder died, and <clears throat> some of you would have known him. And, and when, he, when he was a young man, 50, 60 years ago, he was a communist, a radical socialist. He was a radical socialist. He wanted to uh, set up a radical socialist workers' party that would bring about revolution in this country. That's what he wanted. He would go to all the marches, all the rallies, he would go to them all. And he mistakenly this day went to a rally, thinking it was such a rally as he had been at before. Turned out it was a march for Jesus Christ. And he ended up hearing the gospel. What joy it brought to his heart. What joy to discover that God was merciful. He then with gladness came and served the Lord. He, with, he came with, with, uh, with gladness. It's not true when you come to the Lord's Supper. When you come to the Lord's Supper, there's bread and there's wine. Why the wine? Because wine rejoices the heart. And my friend, is that not what Jesus Christ, that you are able to come in with gladness and serve him because you have found in him mercy. You come as a sheep, you hear the voice of the good shepherd, and you discover that there is mercy. And you are able to sing Psalm 23 with all your heart. Not the Lord is my shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He restoreth my life. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. My friend, is that not that you come in then with gladness and you serve him? You serve him with gladness because you discover that he is a good master. Remember the slaves in the Old Testament. The slaves in the Old Testament, they were servants and they weren't free. But there would come a time when one could go free. And the servant was able to go off. But he could have the all. His ear. The whole pierced. And that showed that he would be the servant of his master all his days. Why? Because he discovered that this was a great master. And he wanted to serve him all his days. My friend, we come and we discover that the, that the Lord, his mercy is everlasting. And we come like that slave and, we, and a servant. We have a good master. And he, we come in with thankfulness. Into his house with thankfulness. Do you come into God's house today and are you thankful? that the Lord is merciful. If it wasn't for his mercy, where would you be today, my friend? If it wasn't for the, the mercy, that his mercy is everlasting, where would you be? You would be on your way to a lost eternity. You'd be on your way to hell. As many today are on their way to hell because they have never discovered 
that Jesus Christ, in him God is merciful, and his mercy is everlasting. And if there is anything that we have a reason today, we have reason today for everything that we have, everything that we wear out, all the food, everything, enter it, uh, uh, know that the Lord, he is God, he is he that made us, not we ourselves, uh, we are his people and the sheep of his pastor, pasture. That's it, isn't it? You come to realise and to know the everlasting mercy of God towards a hell-deserving sinner. So the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. But finally, and his truth endureth to all generations. See, it's one thing. The, the, the psalmist, you see how well embracing the psalmist is. He begins, make a joyful sound noise unto the Lord. All ye lands. The true Israelite in the Old Testament wasn't concerned about Israel simply as a nation. We often hear that. We often think that. We think of Ezekiel, for example, and we think of of uh, Jeremiah, and we think that they were really great nationalists, weren't they? Because look at how they they thought when God, when when Israel, uh, when Jerusalem was destroyed or was going to be destroyed, and then it was destroyed, and you think these are great people that think a lot of their nation. Well, they do. Of course they do. Paul thought a lot of his nation. But they were not taken up simply with Israel because of Israel as a nation. It was the scribes and the Pharisees that were taken up with Israel. My friend, why were they so concerned about Israel? They were concerned about Israel because of the promise that God had made to Abraham. In thee and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. It was God's promise, God's covenant that was to them. What would happen if Israel and Jerusalem are totally destroyed? What does that mean for God's promise? What does it mean for God's covenant? So they weren't just interested in Israel as the nation. They were interested in the fact that one day all the nations would be blessed and that his truth would endure to all generations. See how embracing God's covenant promises, not only is it going out to all the lands and that God would use Israel as the great means of bringing that uh, gospel to all the lands through Christ, but that it would last for every generation. Babylon might disappear. Assyria had already disappeared. Roman Empire might disappear. The great British Empire has disappeared. But Christ's kingdom is still there, my friend. Christ's kingdom is still in this world. And although it may be that in our own day and generation, in our own land, our nation despises the goodness of God, despises the mercy of God, and despises the truth of God, that doesn't mean to say that God's truth is still not prospering. It's prospering in other countries, it's prospering in other places, and it will endure. 
Jesus Christ says, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And not, on, not even the very gates of hell will prevail against God's truth. The devil will try to extinguish and to, 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 to uh, the gates of hell will rise up against the church, will rise up against the truth. But the psalmist sees that God's truth, God's covenant promises, the truth that is in Jesus Christ will be from generation to generation. Until the last of God's sheep are brought in. Jesus had sheep that was not of that fold, not of Israel. Jesus had sheep that were uh, out in all the ends of the earth. Jesus had sheep in Scotland, in Ireland, in America, in Canada, in China, Japan, all these different nations. God's truth will never be shaken. In fact, it will be established by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> he would establish the truth. He would be victorious at the cross so that God's people are able to say we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Well, my friend, what joy that ought to Come into his, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Make a joyful noise. His truth endures. His truth is unchanging. His truth is unbreakable. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, even when the word of truth is preached, it never returns to him void. It never returns to him empty. God's truth, whenever it is preached, the Lord will use it as a savour of life unto life or a savour of death unto death. But his truth is unbreakable. His untruth cannot be broken. The truth of the Bible, the truth of Jesus Christ, does not change. It's the same truth. It is the truth that the devil and all his worshippers can never gainsay. They can't gainsay it. The truth of Christ risen from the dead. My friend, what a wonderful joy that is and how we ought to come into his house and serve him with gladness because we serve the living Christ. We serve the living Christ. Come into his presence with gladness. Rejoice. May the sound of the very gospel itself rejoice your heart and bring gladness to your soul. His truth it lasts endures from one generation to another. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? When Christians can see young people being raised up in one generation, an older generation, the older generation, and then there's a sort of middle generation, and then there's a younger generation, and then there's a generation of young children. Wonderful to see, isn't it? Young children, one generation, under the sound of the truth. That ought to rejoice our hearts and make us glad. 
and come into God's house with thankfulness. Enter ye his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. His truth endures to all generations. It's the same truth. It's not a different truth. You see, what you have in certain places is what was truth for yesterday is not the truth for today. Why not? Because we've got situation ethics. We need to change the truth to satisfy the different situation. No, you don't, my friend. It's the same truth that God will bless to our forefathers. The same truth that was blessed to congregations in Philippi, Thessalonica, Colossians, the same truth. Unbreakable truth. Let's hold to the truth. Let's love the fact that God's truth never changes. Jesus Christ is the same shepherd today as he was when he stood in that temple and said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Another will they not follow, but they will follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Well then, does that not give you praise and thankful? Let's just conclude by asking you this. Here are three truths. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Does that make you joyful? Does that make you spiritually rejoice as you come into God's house? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, all people. Come, rich or poor, old or young, black or white, doesn't matter who you are, all ye lands, <coughs> praise and rejoice for these three things. And come with gladness before his presence, with singing. Be glad that this is the God that you serve. My friend, the gods of this world, they will take their toll. The god of this world today are the green issues. And my friend, how costly that is. How much is it costing poor people of this nation because of the god of the green issues? It costs and it costs. And it always, all these different gods will cost you. But our God is good. He is merciful. He says, come without money and without price to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come with thankfulness. His mercy is everlasting. Though the poor sinner that comes will find that there is mercy with him. His truth endures forever. My friend, do you come today with joy, gladness and thanksgiving into God's house to praise God for who he is, what he has done for poor sinners. In the name of Jesus Christ. Well, let us then rejoice in him. Praise his name. Let us join together in prayer. Let us pray. <coughs> Most gracious and ever blessed Lord, we thank thee for the goodness of thy grace and of thy mercy. Who is a God like unto thee? <coughs> the gods of this world take their toll. The gods of this world demand, demand and demand, and yet can never satisfy the longing soul. But we come to thee, our God, 
And O oh Lord, we find that thou art a good God. And thou hast shown and magnified thy goodness and thy love in the sending into this world of the Good Shepherd. We thank thee today that thou art our God, one who is good. And we thank thee that thou art the God whose mercies are everlasting. Left to ourselves, we would be far from thee. We would be cast away from thee. We thank thee for thy mercy that reaches down into this world and saves poor sinners. And we thank thee that thy truth endureth to every generation. It's the same truth, the same gospel, the unchanging gospel. We thank thee today for that gospel and that thou art our God. May we therefore come with joy, come with gladness, come with thanksgiving into thy presence. We pray that we would experience something of thy love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Undertake for us now and part us in thy fear and with thy blessing. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 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 We'll sing in Psalm 100. We'll conclude singing in this psalm, Psalm 100. <coughs> psalm 100. All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth his praise forth tell. Come ye before him and rejoice. Know that the Lord is God indeed. Without our aid he did us make. We are his flock. He doth us feed. And for his sheep he doth us take. And so on. The whole of the psalm. Psalm 100. All people that on earth do dwell.
evening service is at the usual time of 6.30. The prayer meeting on Thursday is at the usual time of 7.30 and will be taken by <coughs> Mr. Ian Martin. The service is next Sabbath and at the usual times and will be taken by the Reverend William MacLeod. The collection taken last Thursday will be forwarded to the TBS and there is still an opportunity to contribute. Please put your donation in an envelope marked TBS Donation and place it in the plate. Mr Ian Martin will forward it to the TBS. These are all the intimations. They are all God willing. We'll conclude with the benediction. <coughs> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, rest on and abide with you now and always. Amen. Amen. Amen.